Hi, everyone. Welcome to this week's episode of CXCast. Sam Stern, joined as always by Jenny Wise in studio. Hi, Jenny. Hi, everyone. And we have our colleague on the phone from Philadelphia, Faith Adams. Hi, Faith. Hi, Sam. Hi, Jenny. Hi, everybody. And uh, happy 2019 to all of our listeners. We have given you an episode in CXCast before this, but uh, this is our first recording session in the new year. And we thought it would be a great opportunity to have Faith on to talk about her recent research on voice of customer trends, major voice of customer trends. And so, Faith, we'd love to hear from you. When you look at voice of customer trends, what are you looking for? What are you trying to uh, predict or preview or trying to uncover when you look at the voice of customer market, which you look at very closely? What are you looking for as a sign that something is a trend or something is emerging? Essentially, what I ended up doing with this report specifically was I wanted to focus on, because we continue to hear firms constantly talking about how they're getting stuck, so they're still struggling to really be able to drive action. So what I doubled down and did was really try to look at companies that were making the most of their program, that were driving action, that were engaging stakeholders, and were really making the most of what the VOC can do for their organization, rather than, I hate to say it, checking a box or you know doing a few activities. I was looking for those companies that were achieving that state-of-the-art level. You know, We talk about the foundational, advanced, and state-of-the-art VOC programs. I was looking for what's making these firms successful, what's different for them than the other companies that I often talk to on a day-to-day basis that seem to get stuck in the mud, so to speak. Um, and there's a number of different things that really did stick out. And so I thought it was important to give our Forrester customers that maybe they're making a lot of great strides, but they're getting stuck somewhere, giving them something to aspire to and different things that they should be trying to really step up their game and get to that next level. Great. Right. And so, drum roll please, perhaps, but uh, what did you find? What are, what are those things that uh, firms and, and CX leads and VOC leads should be looking at to take their game to the next level? Yeah, the one thing that sticks out to me specifically as a former practitioner is we always talk about the coveted executive buy-in. And that's something that still a lot of companies seem to be struggling with. And what I found with this research specifically was that there's two different things here. There's buy-in and then there's buy-in in conjunction with true leadership. Mm -hmm. So those really successful state-of-the-art programs, they require more than that typical buy-in. That just kind of helps the program get started and and maybe evolve a little bit. It truly does require more of that ongoing support and that that top-down leadership. And this leadership, in conjunction with the buy-in, is what really does help drive a lot of the change because it shows that it's not just lip service. It shows that CX truly is a top priority. It helps set the tone for the program. It helps people understand that the voice of the customer is used to make decisions. It's about that executive team or that executive sponsor buying in and truly just becoming that voice of the customer themselves, that that champion, that person who really helps it permeate the organization. And I, I hate to say it, very few people can say that they have this, but for those firms that do, it really does, it's a game changer. It makes a huge difference in setting the tone for the entire program. That sounds great, Faith. And it sounds like you really need this to be able to establish the program, make sure it gets some legs and that it can actually work. Are there any trends in who this sort of leader or an advocate tends to be in an organization, sort of a place to get started? to identify this and enact it in the next year? Yeah, sometimes it is that uh, it is the CEO where the Mm -hmm. mandate is coming from them. Um, Sometimes it could be a... 
Yeah. 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 I mean, you would hope that they would buy in, right? <laughs> sometimes they don't, or sometimes it's about checking the box. Sometimes it's a CMO. Sometimes it could even just be a CX lead that is maybe tied to somebody in, in operations. See, the organizational structures, as I know Sam has written a lot about this, there doesn't necessarily seem to be a recipe, so mm-hmm. to speak, but it's mm-hmm. somebody in that C-suite who is really charged with this, who is really excited about this, who really knows that it's going to be that key differentiator. It can sometimes be somebody in operations. It could sometimes be that CEO, as I said. It could be sometimes somebody in marketing, depending on the org structure. There just needs to be somebody accountable. I know in some organizations, shockingly, it, it sometimes came out of finance. So it really wow. just depends on who's that person that knows that this is going to be the critical differentiator, who believes that customer experience is going to be what helps take them to that next level. That's what's critical here. It doesn't necessarily have to be a certain person or a certain role. You just need to have somebody at the top who is going to be that champion. Makes sense. So it's the executive top level champion is sort of one of the trends or the things to make sure that you have so you can execute on a state of the art VOC program. What are some of the other trends that you noticed when speaking with companies? One of the big ones that sticks out to me, and I think a, a lot of them really did resonate coming from that practitioner space because a lot of people talk about having ongoing data debates where they're mm-hmm. constantly explaining away the data or people are justifying the lower scores just because of the fact that it's, it, oh, this is the way things have always been or, oh, we had this problem at this time. There can't be something more to this. We don't need to take action. So those types of things definitely start to go away with these state-of-the-art programs where it's really about achieving more of that organizational alignment. They tend to be extremely well aligned. They're aware of where they stand competitively. They're aware of where they stand ongoing with their own customers. And they're constantly striving to do better and really want to be that leader, really want to be that successful organization rather than justifying bad scores or explaining things away or trying to get something removed because you don't think that it's accurate, even though it's what you're constantly hearing from the customers. And I think that one of the things, and this kind of piggybacks off of what I was saying about having that leadership and that buy-in, it's about really just being able to have that clarity about where they stand from the top down and the bottom up. So whether you're a customer service person or the CEO themselves, really understanding what those key metrics are, what it means to you and your role, and what it means to the organization, rather than kind of having those debates that minimize the metrics. That's really interesting one. I think you call these the data debates, right? Which is I really (laughs) like using that saying. And I heard actually a few things in there for the data. So the first is making sure that you have the data. The second is that you're trusting the data, not excusing it away. And then the third is that you're using it in the right way. So you're using it as a benchmark, not just as sort of raw numbers that you can decide either matter or don't matter, depending on the story that you're telling. Would you say that those were sort of fair? Is it all of those three things? Is there sort of a different angle here that I didn't catch? Nope, you you nailed it. It's about having the data, trusting it, and actually using it, which actually does kind of tie into a number of the other key trends as well, like not chasing metrics, um, so actually looking behind the numbers. So for example, rather than focusing on what their NPS score is, they understand what the drivers behind NPS are and are really looking for more information about what is behind the metric. And that, that aligns to not just the NPS score, but other metrics as well. These firms are also making the most of the unstructured data. I think that they're doing a better job of being able to look at both the qualitative and the quantitative data together to really identify what's going to move the needle in terms of the experience. Um, Tying alongside of that too is, uh, and and I'm sure many members of our our CX team that focus on on design can empathize and, and challenge our customers to do this, but they always incorporate the voice of the customer 
into the design process. Mm-hmm. So it's yeah. not just necessarily about what the scores are, but what's behind them and how they can use that information to design those optimal experiences or iterate on the experiences as well. So it's not just about checking a box and getting you know to a metric. It's about really looking behind it, using it, and really embedding it into the day-to-day of, of the organization. Faith, if you're an organization or you're in an organization that still has a you know hard NPS target, 50, whatever it might be. How do you recommend to a CX practitioner they make the case for you know following this trend that you just were outlining that we look more at the drivers or the context around that number? Because for a lot of organizations, I'll hear them do a nice aside to say, we know we need to really focus on what is going to get us to this number, but we do have this in our plan. You know, My goals include this NPS target this year. How do you advise them to handle that kind of a scenario? So sometimes it's about looking at the behaviors that drive possible improvements of the scores. And so sometimes that could tie back to employee behaviors. Yeah. So what is it going to take for Sally and customer service to improve you know, the NPS score. So using what you're able to gather to then use it as an opportunity to coach or guide them to something that might help achieve a better metric. Just tying back to uh, some of the other things that I was talking about, you know, what practitioners do and what they can do to be successful here. Sometimes it's about taking that data and going out and having what I refer to as CX dog and pony shows with different parts of the organization. Because if they're tasked with really driving, trying to get a better score, and that's something that the organization is not going to stop doing. You really have to make it meaningful and relevant to the different stakeholders that are responsible with driving action. And that's not easy because different people have different needs. We talk about three different groups of employees. We've got the unengaged, the unfocused, and the underutilized. I hate to say it, there's also a fourth group in here that I really don't like to talk about too much because they tend to be few and far between. They're they're not the, the majority within organizations, but there's sometimes those people who, no matter what you do, they're not going to care. And so it's going to be really difficult to get them to drive action. But really being able to tap into those unengaged folks, the the underutilized and the unfocused in ways that are going to help them do the right things that can potentially drive up the metrics. And in some cases, that could be, you know, for example, like looking at customer journey and leveraging the journey to identify where those key moments are that they have an opportunity to improve the customer experience. For some people, it could be connecting those VOC data dots. So that would be more of like one of the, um, the unfocused people. You know, it's about giving them the actionable insights that help them deliver that optimal customer experience that helps them really look across the entire experience and um, identify the right solution, so to speak. It's about being able to help your different stakeholders become more proactive rather than reactive. We've seen companies, for example, like uh, Microsoft, they ended up loosening up the thresholds on their metrics because they realized that they had created people who were so focused on the metrics that they weren't focused on doing the right things. And when they loosened them up, they, they started to realize that by doing that and kind of alleviating a little bit of that focus that they once had, that was what was actually delivering the right experience. Can I ask you, loosening up the thresholds means like reducing the targets or putting them in ranges or what does it mean yeah. exactly? So in the case of Microsoft, what they ended up doing was kind of taking away, I think, some of the key things that they were looking at and saying, you know, we want you to take a step back and do the right thing. And they they did that. And they, they actually started to see that the people exhibit the right behaviors. But sometimes, and, and this is something I've had many conversations about, I hate to say it's gaming the system in some ways. Um, you know, it, it's 
like a call center, for example, I'll liken it to using average handle time for, versus first call resolution. If you aspire to be a best-in-class call center with world-class customer service, average handle time might not be the right metric. But if you, it, it, it actually is not the right metric. It's a terrible metric right. because then you'll have people who are essentially chasing this metric to get off the phone quicker, you know, to be perceived as a better agent, even though it's not delivering the, the right customer experience. So some companies, too, in addition to loosening up the threshold on the metrics, they might reassess their metrics and determine if they're even delivering the type of customer experience that they want to deliver or if it's in line with actually delivering that optimal customer experience that a customer might expect. Okay, so it really is about uh, multi-dimensional chess with how you think about your metrics and and, uh, your measurement and what would be persuasive or motivating to people, right? So it might be that you're, you're changing what's getting measured. You might be changing the emphasis on the number. You might be changing the amount of information you share around that, uh, depending on the audience, because any of those strategies will help different people feel sort of unshackled by that number or by that emphasis that's being put on that number and, to, and the emphasis on um, achieving that target. Well, they don't feel like they're going to be penalized too. Like they feel like they're actually able to play more of a role in achieving something bigger, which is critical. And, and otherwise, if they're just chasing a number, they're going to do what it takes to possibly get to that number. And if they don't see what they're doing as actually working, it can also become very demotivating. So it taps into that employee experience component that I know um, a, a number of folks here at Forrester are focused on. It very much ties a bunch of different pieces of customer experience and employee experience together. Got it. Faith, I feel like we cannot have this conversation and not ask about one other trend, sort of uh, meta trend in voice of customer land, which is the trend of customer feedback management providers to be merging or acquired. Is that part of the research? Is that something you're adding to the research? I know you've blogged about this a few times recently. How does this fit in the, you know, the the sort of acquisition frenzy going on right now in this market uh, to the overall voice of customer trends that you've spotted? Well, I, I, I'm hoping to incorporate it. Um, this report was something I was hoping to have out at the end of last year, but uh, as Q4 goes for many organizations, things do get very busy. So I am contemplating including it because I think it is critical because it does tie to several of those those trends that make programs successful specifically. So, for example, achieving a holistic view of the customer experience. So, for example, with the Varent acquiring 4C to become Varent 4C, it's critical that those firms that are are maybe 4C customers um, or variant customers that maybe were doing things in different parts of the organization and not bringing them together, start to find a way to bring things together to get to that big picture view. So breaking down those silos, so to speak. And I think that we're going to continue to actually see more acquisitions in this market in 2019. Uh, I think it's, the exciting thing for me around this is that it's, it's definitely put the focus on how customer feedback management can really bring value to an organization or even BOC best specialists can bring value to an organization. But at the same time, it can also contribute to achieving some of these very specific trends. So it could be even like the whole voice of the employee and what that can do. So for example, Qualtrics with SAP, you know, SAP had success factors, which was something that a lot of firms use. And Qualtrics actually has their employee experience product. So I think it's really about maybe leveraging these acquisitions to do more for your program. And I think there's a lot of opportunity that can exist there. And so a lot is to be determined still as to how these acquisitions will shape up. But it's very exciting because it not only shows, again, how critical CX is, how important it is, but so many other things too. I really like the way you've put that, that the acquisitions are a signal that the providers are seeing the same need to 
you know, maybe not make excuses for something. Well, that data lives over there. It's okay. We, we need to integrate this data for them and, and break down these silos because this is what's needed to actually see the improvement that companies want from measuring, tracking, and, uh, you know, doing closely uh, follow-up processes with the voice of customer data. So we need to enable that through the data that we collect and how we integrate it. Yeah, I will say this, like a lot of the vendors, I have these conversations all the time is, you know, they want their customers to make the most of the data. They want their customers to do more, but yet they're not doing it in, in many cases, and despite trying to be pushed by the vendor. I think it's only going to become more obvious to the buyers or to the, the companies that maybe aren't necessarily making the most of their data, how critical it is, and maybe they'll start to lean on their vendors a little bit more to help them do so. So I think that everybody can potentially win in this space, in this situation. Maybe I'm naively optimistic just because there's so much opportunity there. But uh, at the same time, I think it's going to also highlight those vendors that are truly committed to helping their customers drive action, helping their customers make the most of their programs, helping their customers tap into the voice of the employee, helping their customers make those data debates go away and have that that true state-of-the-art program. I, I think that it's all going to kind of come full circle, so to speak. Great. Well, Faith, thank you for joining us again on CXCast. And listeners will post links to some of Faith's Voice of Customer program and customer feedback management platform uh, research for you to peruse. And we'll talk to you all on next week's CXCast. Goodbye for now. Thanks to our colleagues Amanda Chen for recording and mixing the episode and Will Wilsey for editing and publishing. And listeners, if you have questions, feedback, comments, or suggestions for new episodes, please email us at cxcast at forrester.com. And remember, your customers' perceptions are your customer experience reality.